Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Heart Radio. I want to give God thanks for the opportunity that he allows <clears throat> me to have in meeting with you in order to fellowship with you around his word. And indeed, uh, for me, uh, Christ Jesus must always be our focus. Our focus, we must always center our lives around the truth that is Jesus. He is the truth. So having that type of focus means that uh, one's life is going to be powerfully transformed by eternal truth, and that is the word of God. So as you know, as many of you know, that when one has determined to have Jesus as one's focus, then there will be persecution. There will be the persecution from, now the three enemies of the believer are the world, cosmos, the flesh, the thought, and the devil, the diabolos. And so those enemies will be there, and therefore it is imperative for believers in order to uh, have exceeding uh, overcoming force uh, in one's life to make that determination to focus on Jesus. So that is the... uh, that is what I want to emphasize in this morning's study, that one's focus must be upon Jesus. <clears throat> he is the source of eternal life. one makes Jesus the focus of one's religious belief, then one is going to fall short spiritually. Jesus never claimed that he should be the focus of one's spiritual direction, spiritual philosophy. He uh, he never made that a uh, an imperative for a believer. It is believe into me is the Greek. Believe into me. Uh, we have the preposition on and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The scripture teaches believe into Jesus. So the emphasis is different. And I found that meditating on the word, praying about the word, uh, God opens doors and one's understanding uh, with regard to eternal truth. Please read Psalm 1. Effective spiritual practice, and I mean effective spiritual practice, is knowing 
and understanding the Christ event and uh, what it should mean for one's entire life, not one's religious life. We have a conjoint relationship with Jesus uh, at the point of salvation. And so he becomes, uh, because we have that conjoint relationship with him, there is that oneness that we have with him. It is an organic oneness that we have with him. Uh, we, be, we are a compound unity. <clears throat> and that same, uh, we have the same emphasis in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Ehad, a compound unity. And so it is imperative that we know the word of God and that we practice the word of God, that we are filled with the spirit of God. So with that, let us have a word of prayer and begin our study for this morning. We do thank you, Heavenly Father, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us on a Roman gibbet in 33 A.D., he was buried, according to 1 Corinthians 15, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And so, thank you, Father, for who Jesus is, and we pray, Lord, that we do not grieve the Spirit in our hearts by having unconfessed sin and holding on to sin, Lord, and allowing its malignancy to control our relationship instead of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. So <clears throat> I'm going to be teaching from both First and Second Peter this morning, and our emphasis is on Second Peter. I'm going to read Second Peter chapter one, and then we're going to go back to First Peter because there are some things that I want to point out to you. So Second Peter chapter one verse one reads, "Quote Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle." of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness, that is the imputed righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. At the point of salvation, each believer is imputed or has reckoned to his or her account the righteousness of Christ, the rightness of Christ. And so, this is how God can be just and the justifier of he who believes Jesus. The righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my focus is not going to be on verse 2. But if you have some time, you should really think about what Peter uh, has written here, grace, that is God's unmerited favor, caris, and peace, irene, God's own intrinsic eternal peace be multiplied uh, in you through, that is, through the instrumentality of the epinosis of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a specific type of knowledge that multiplies grace and peace to us, and that is through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to please study these verses because the emphasis in a lot of churches is upon uh, psychobabble and 
how to obtain material riches. When you read the words of Jesus about material riches, what does it say? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and uh, doth corrupt and thieves break in and steal. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break in and steal. Steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in, in, in the heavenlies where these things cannot be. Lay up for yourselves treasures in the heavenlies. Lay up for yourselves treasures in the heavenlies. But if you notice, the temptations that uh, we read about uh, that the devil brought before our Lord Jesus Christ, he brings before believers, and believers bow before what was offered to Jesus. This is what the enemy does. Everything the enemy introduces is a distraction from our most important goal, and that is what? It is to have our lives in conformity with the will of God. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will what? They will follow you. Instead of you pursuing them, they will follow you. You will have them. And Jesus talked about the rewards for faithfulness. The rewards for faithfulness. Paul talks about uh, that the believers are, we are going to be judged at the bema for the works we have done in the body. We have to keep these things in mind. Um, verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And that word means quality of life quality of life through through the instrumentality of the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. That word, that old English word, means moral excellence, moral excellence. Now, this doctrine was not written to religious people. It was written to believers uh, who are being persecuted for their faith. And that's why I'm going to go back to first Peter because there's some things I want to point out for us. Uh, verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceedingly great and precious promises. That by these, the purpose clause, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through Left. Now, that word escaped is very important, and it means to be carried off by force, carried off by force. That is speaking of, of believers. Having escaped uh, the ruin, the decay that is in the cosmos through lust, epithumia. Phthoraz is the word for uh, corruption, phthoraz, in the Greek text. 
And it literally means that, that which ruins or that which decays the spirit, that which decays the mind, the body, the soul, that which uh, uh, creates destruction within, within the person. Now, these things are inherent or an inherent part of the cosmic system. They create ruin. And if our focus is upon that which creates ruin, now, because uh, this happens over time and uh, people think, well, nothing is really happening to me, uh, but, but the, 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 subtle seeds, the, uh, the subtlety uh, becomes cumulative. And then the individual find uh, himself or herself at a point in time trapped, and uh, he uh, or she in these circumstances will learn that that bad decisions destroy or close down future opportunities. Bad decisions close doors. Bad decisions do not open doors. The enemy wants us to co-partner with him in our own destruction. And there are people, just like Eve was thoroughly deceived, Paul wrote, she was thoroughly and completely deceived. There are people uh, whom the devil has thoroughly deceived into believing that if they follow uh, their particular lust patterns, that they're going to get what they want. Now, and he uses the lie, he uses the reality that there uh, is pleasure in sin for a season. It is the pleasure. And that is uh, used as bait. It's used to bait the person into his or her own ruin. That is the flesh. And if you please read uh, about Samson. And when you read the Samson novella, the Samson short story, you will learn about an individual who followed his eyes, what he saw. And what he saw was what? What he wanted. He wanted immediate gratification, the gratification of his lust pattern. And this created hardship, not only for Samson, but for, his, but for those who loved him for his mother and his father. And so we, we, we uh, read at the beginning of the Samson short story that he will begin to deliver. He could not complete, but he would begin to deliver because of his choices. Read about Lot in the book of Genesis and read about his choices. He looked out and... Uh, uh, he, he saw, what he saw was the guy's guiding principle of his life. Now, we did never know that when Lot had to divide uh, off from Abraham, Lot said, well, I'm going to pray and allow God to lead me where he wants me to go. Never read that. What he saw, what he saw. And we read about uh, the woman in Genesis 3. She saw. And so understand the limitations of, of, of what we see, our limited sight. 
And this is why we're told as believing ones to walk by faith or to order our steps by faith and not by sight. Because sight what offers us very little information. And oftentimes the information that it offers us is what? That which we uh, we have subjective mandates that we have set up. And what we see, if what we see conforms to those to that subjectivity, to that morass of subjective interpretations, then we go, oh yes, this is for me. Because God is never consulted. And the enemy will lead that believer because that believer has not crucified the flesh with uh, its affections and lusts. That believer is going to have real problems. So uh, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then beginning in verse 5, verses 5, 6, and 7, Peter's going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Verse 5, and besides this, giving all diligence ad epikorigesete is the Greek word. And it is the word from which we get our word chorus. So he talks about the fruit of the Spirit as a chorus of virtues uh, within the heart. The same that Paul speaks about in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit as a whole. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit that is produced in the heart of the yielded believer who is walking by faith and not by sight and who is Spirit-filled. It is what the Spirit does, and it is uh, incredibly positive. So, in other words, the individual is prospering in his or her personality. The mind prospers in Christ. And so uh, the heart prospers. We have learned that... that, uh, the brain and the heart interact with one another in a subtle language. And we uh, in the West, we're told that is the brain that is the center of the life. In, the, in Western Asia, which produced our Bible, it is the heart that is the center. And the kidneys center of what? Around emotions, the heart, the kidneys, the liver. And so uh, we have, so when we go back to the Word of God and we study the Word, uh, read the Psalms uh, about uh, the psychological center of being and, and how uh, we are, have been made, wonderfully made by God, fearfully and wonderfully made. There are people who, tell, who will tell you, well, you're nothing, you're nothing but, or, you, your your skin color is this way, is this color, so you're not worth as much, you're not valued as much, and you believe this stuff as a seedling, that is, as a tiny one, and you grow up believing this lie. But the truth is, according to the word of God, 
that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. That is the truth. Now, truth will overthrow the lies in your heart if you make the decision to follow the truth. In spite of the evidence that, that you cite, well, I can do this, I can do that, and so therefore I'm not of value. Stop looking at all the fake evidence. Stop listening to all the fake people. And sometimes you may have to walk away from certain people in order to be free. Because as long as you're around certain people and their negativism, uh, they're going to keep you limited. And in order to be free and to walk into who you are as God has made you, you may have to walk away. And find your freedom in Christ. So he, he goes on to talk about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue, that is moral excellence. And to virtue knowledge, that is epinosis. It is not as this general knowledge of an academic topic talking about the spiritual knowledge of Christ and who he is. And to knowledge, temperance. That word temperance means self-control. Listen, you have self-control in your life. You have, uh, you will be a very successful person. Because there are people who do not uh, understand the importance of self-control. And so they're ruled by anger. They're ruled by their emotions. They become impetuous. And that impetuosity uh, destroys their lives. They're impetuous, or they're silly, or they're immature. And so, uh, if you have self-control, self-control. What does self-control mean? Well, control of one's self. Well, how does one get self-control? Well, biblically, it is surrender of one's life to God. Through Jesus. It is the crucifixion of the flesh with its affections and lust. See, so many people tear the, uh, bring their, their lives to ruin, chasing flesh, chasing people who mean them no good in the end and finding themselves in impossible situations. Well, you said you're going to leave your wife. You said you're going to leave your husband. And all the stuff that goes uh, with uh, uh, in, in, in that hodgepodge, that morass, that mess. Where self-control teaches one that first, if I'm going to be uh, in in this kind of stuff, I'm going to have to be. I'm going to have to break fellowship with God. So I'm going to have an adulterous relationship or uh, with God, my wife or husband, and I'm going to uh, ruin my family, business associates. It goes on and on and on. So 
do you want a real life? Then a real life is focused upon worthy objects. And when Christ, when one builds one's life on the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock of who he is, then one's life is incredibly stable. And then over time you find that, uh, that as, as you abide in Christ, Jesus said, abide in me, abide in me, that is, be at home in my will. Listen, the world does not want to offer you stability. The world wants, to tell, the world wants you in fear. Have you noticed that? Fear of aging, fear of financial loss, fear of relationship compromise. <clears throat> the world wants you in ruin, in, in, in fear. Well, uh, we have these grass fires, and uh, there's a tsunami. Or you're going to pass on a, a, a patented virus. Now notice, not something naturally occurring in nature, not a virus naturally occurring in nature that is destructive, but you can go to the U.S. Patent Office and you can look up these patented viruses that were made and designed as biogenetic or bioviral weapons that are released through an aerosol or sprayed in the atmosphere or sprayed uh, on the food or that is genetically uh, uh, through genetically altered wheat. So it goes on and on and on. The more <clears throat> I, I read and study uh, natural medicine, the more I see what has happened and what is going on. The, the world doesn't want you stable. The world wants you dependent. The world doesn't want you focused on God. The world wants you focused upon what the world wants. And that ultimately is the devil. He is the God of this age. Small G-O-D. He is the God of this age. See, and he w- wants to persecute believers. Add to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience. Now, the word patience uh, means to submit to God's will. And then after God has achieved what he wants you to uh, experience, to charge forth into victory. That is what this word means, hopomony. And in patience, godliness, godlikeness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and superabound, they make that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I like this word barren. That word barren means inactive. 
inactive and unemployed. <laughs> I love that. But he that lack, lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Muopezo cannot see afar off. He can only see near. He's just nearsighted and uh, hath forgotten. And notice what Paul, what, what Peter says. He has forgotten. He has spiritual forgetfulness, spiritual Alzheimer's, that he was purged. And so here this word refers to what? Cleansing. A cleansing uh, that is over and a cleansing that has accomplished incredible things in his life. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Now, that word sure means to make, to make your calling and election firm. In other words, we're talking about that which we can rely upon, firm, that which upon which one may rely. For so an, an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, why are these words, uh, these words so important? And back to verse 4, uh, be, that we are partakers of the divine nature. That word uh, is from the word we get our word koinonia, which means fellowship with God. So uh, <clears throat> we are partakers, or we we're in fellowship with God. How do we become uh, partakers of the divine nature? Here he is speaking of salvation, regeneration. We have a new relationship with God. There is nothing in here uh, of psychobabble. Or as uh, Peter is not using language that keeps the believer firmly within the cosmic system. What God has provided for us is that which transcends and permanently overcomes the limitations of the cosmic system. The cosmic system wants you to what live out a particular uh, life that has been designed for you. Did you know that when you were born, your parents were given a birth certificate or a certificate of birth for you, and then the Vatican received another birth certificate or certificate of birth for you? There is a lot behind this. I want to discuss at this point, but... uh, I'm going to leave it there. So now when we go back to First Peter, I just want you to give you some more background. Uh, Peter uh, wrote First Peter to believers who were being persecuted by the government. And so this First Peter is addressed to the five Roman provinces uh, in Asia Minor, that, Minor, that is modern Turkey as was the, uh, uh, the book of Revelation. So this letter was written to encourage believers to endure intense persecution 
uh, that was prevalent in the area and to prepare the readers for difficult times ahead. Now, these words are important uh, for us to really think about. So the first empire-wide persecution of Christians uh, began or happened in AD 249 under uh, the brutal emperor Decius. Now, local persecutions uh, were severe, but uh, again, an empire-wide purge and persecution of believers started under uh, Decius. And so Bithynia was the scene of, of a particular uh, kind of brutal persecution. Um, so, and so Peter wrote, First uh, Peter to these uh, the believers who have First Peter one verse one that have been scattered. He calls them strangers in the Old King James version. It means uh, called out ones. Scattered. They were scattered because of persecution. Scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Uh, and so. These believers, so uh, a letter was had been sent from Pliny the Younger, uh, from Pliny to uh, the, uh, the governor of Bithynia to the Roman Emperor Trajan in A.D. 112. And so he explained that he had been persecuting people who confessed that they were Christians. Trajan's reply expressed his approval of Pliny's policy but instructed him to set free those Christians who would renounce their faith and worship the Romans' God. So since 1 Peter was most likely written in the AD 60s, persecution of the severest kind was yet to come. And so here, uh, Peter used Jesus' own suffering as the cornerstone of his exhortation. And uh, so Peter admonished believers to suffer as Christians and not as lawbreakers. So do you see uh, why the New Testament documents uh, are different from what a lot of local churches are, are teaching believers? Because they don't want people or believers to become spiritually mature. They want to keep believers immature so they can exploit uh, them spiritually, so they can use them spiritually, so they can lord it over uh, God's heritage spiritually. So uh, now Paul talks about, and I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians. Paul talks about the persecution of believers in Second Corinthians chapter chapter one. So Paul writes in verse three, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. 
For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, it's the same word that is used in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the word partakers. As you are <clears throat> partakers of the sufferings, so shall you also be of the consolation. For we will not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia. <clears throat> Asia Minor created some real problems for the believing community. That we were pressed out of measure, that is weighed down, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Listen, if you are really faithful to the Lord, you're going to have these experiences. And James chapter 1 talks about believers being surrounded by trials, surrounded by trials. Do you see the common theme here in the New Testament with, uh, and how God to his, uh, speaks to the believing community that is the faithful about what they're going to face in the cosmic system? Because Jesus said, be ye in the world, but not out of the world as a source. Believers are not out of the world as a source. And so the world sees believers as enemies. When you get a moment, read about uh, Trading with the Enemy Act. Read about that and <clears throat> why it became a reality uh, here in the United States, Trading with the, en- the Enemy Act. Read it, please. So uh, Paul goes on, verse 9. Oh, verse 8, for we would not have the ignorant brethren of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. There is a lot of the flesh that God still has to extinguish in us. There's a lot of the flesh that God has to still extinguish in me. And how does he use it? Persecution uh, should force us or forces us to stop looking in ourselves, but to trust in God. And when the focus is switched from ourselves to God, then you know that you're producing fruit, spiritual fruit. Persecution is not easy. It's never meant to be easy. But the Romans, the Roman emperors, part of the cult of emperor worship, and they wanted all their subjects, including Christians, to be a part of this profligate cult 
And these people loved uh, to uh, persecute believers. The book of Acts is the first book of church history. You should read it and uh, digest it. Uh, You know, one more verse. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Verse 12, for our rejoicing is, is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, this is Paul, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have, we have had our conversation in the cosmos and more abundantly to you. This is what God is watching well, what about I know my plans for you, uh, plans to prosper you? What about that message? Think about that message. Go and read its context and to whom that was given and why it was given. The occasion, the date, historical setting in which it was given. And then go back and read the New Testament. And why, uh, and what suffering does. Suffering purges us. And, and read about, read First and Second Thessalonians about that community and how, in spite of persecution, they were faithful to the Lord, in spite of persecution, in spite of their, their circumstances and situation. Uh, they produced incredible fruit. The enemy tried to bring in uh, doctrines to make them fearful, doctrines to distort their faith. But then Paul had to write First and Second uh, Thessalonians in order to anchor their spirit, lest they drift away. Please read Hebrews chapter two. Now, as a believing community, and as those who have been made partakers of the divine nature, you and I have an incredible opportunity to live different sort of lives, not lives based upon indulgence uh, and self-ruin, but lives that are are a blessing, not only to ourselves, but but to others. As we, we learn to focus upon the Lord and what he wants and has chosen for us, uh, you will find that your life's going to be filled in ways that you cannot And I say this through experience. Yes, I know what persecution is. I know what malignant personalities are. I know what jealousy and envy are. And I know the power of God to sustain and to bless through trials. Your persecutions are not going to be the same and, and different you age and go through life. They're going to be different. The focus is going to be different. But what you're going to find is the consistency of grace, the wonder of grace, the powerful, the power of grace. And you're going to learn to love in a different way as you surrender what you think life should be to what God has designed your life to be, then you will what? 
you will have the uh, complete fulfillment that no one can take away. So God bless you and have a wonderful day. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Ridge, and God bless you.